Well, I want to say thank you for the invitation. David and I have looked forward to, to being here with you. And so I bring you greetings from Dr. Steve Gaines, our pastor, and the, uh, the entire Bellevue body. You know, uh, it was four years ago, I believe, Robbie, help me, that we stood right here. I came up, we came up, we have partnered, uh, I know most of you know John Mulligan down in Open Arms, we'd come up for a service there and, and had come to see Robbie and stood right here, probably in this vicinity, it was nothing but uh, just a big open field, and so it's incredible to see what God has done here, and so I commend you and Robbie, his leadership and, and what God is doing here, and so thank you all, thank you for being faithful Thank you for all you've done and loving your community, which is what it's all about. But we, let me just say, we are delighted to have been a part of the partnership, and I want to encourage you now to uh, go and do likewise. There are other churches around, new churches that needed to be started in your community, and I know you're doing that, but go and give and invest in them like we've done, and, and you're going to see an, an return, eternal reward for that. And so... Let me just say that we are as, in, as blessed as you are on the other side. That's, that's what giving and partnership always does. It blesses both sides. And so, you know, what a, what a great uh, commitment that you all are, are making. And so we thank God for that. You know, tonight I want to use this time to talk to you about missions. You know, obviously that's something that's special to my heart and I know to you, especially on this missions weekend. And as I've listened tonight to Kim, as she shared about the open door, and just, just the mission opportunities that you have right here on your own doorstep. And so I want to just talk to you about that. And, you know, I would not be standing here if it had not been for a short-term mission trip in 1995. My wife and I boarded a plane. I was pastoring a church at that time, a wonderful church in Indiana, and had really no desire to go on a mission trip. You know, we felt like, Missions, that's what the missionaries are supposed to do, right? You know, that's why we have missionaries. They go do missions. And, but anyway, uh, we were invited and we went. And what God did in that time was radically change our heart, our vision, and our ministry. And so I would not be standing here t tonight to share with you. But I want to encourage you, be careful. Be careful about a short-term mission trip. <laughs> be careful because it could change your life. But it will... I promise you, you will not come back the same way that you went. It will do something in your heart. You know, when God called me out of the pastorate, he placed on my heart a real passion for reaching the unreached people of the world. You know, I truly, in these remaining days, however long the Lord would give me, want to be a part of finishing the task. And that's what I want to challenge you tonight to be thinking about, finishing the task. There's so much to be done. There are today 7.2 billion people in our world. And almost 2 billion of those people have never heard the name of Jesus one time. And so the question tonight as we sit here is, you know, what, what responsibility do you and I have? Is that somebody else's job or is it our job? Do we have a part in finishing the task? You know, Jesus has been gone 2,000 years but yet the task remains basically unchanged. Look at these statistics. I think will probably be on the screen for you. Let me just go through them. Two billion people today in our world live on less than one dollar a day. Two billion people. Every day, 30,500 children under the age of five died from diseases 
that are preventable in our country. 30,500. During this decade, Africa will lose one-fifth of its adult population to HIV and the AIDS disease. Tonight, 800 million people will go to bed hungry. Most of those are women and children. 55 countries, almost 1 billion people do not have clean water. At the beginning of this century, 1.6 billion, and it's closer to 2 billion still, have not heard the name of Jesus, have not heard the gospel. 382 million people live in a culture without one church. And there are 3,700 unreached people groups, and 2,000 of these groups have never heard the name of Jesus one time. Folks, I want to tell you the task is truly unfinished. If you will, turn in your Bibles tonight to Acts chapter 1. I want us to look at eight verses there in this passage. As Jesus, these are Jesus' last recorded words as he is preparing to go back to heaven. Acts chapter 1, and I want us to look at these first eight verses. It says, The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostle whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Friends, we have been challenged with a major task, and that is to share the message of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. Ralph Johnson tells us this. He says, A church that thinks only of itself is a failure, for the purpose of the church and the, good, and the goal of the ministry is to win men for Christ. You know, we both have a challenge and a command in Matthew 28, 19, 20. When we look at the Great Commission, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, sometimes we get caught up in thinking that that command or that Great Commission is for the church. But I want to challenge you tonight to see that it's not just the church, it's for each of us individually. We have a responsibility to walk in this commission. You know, it is a command. It's a command for each of us. And so the question I pose for you tonight, how can you and I do our part in finishing the task? Well, I believe there are four things that God provides for us as we begin this journey. And folks, it is a journey. You know, missions is a lifelong journey. It's not something that we do every now and then. It needs to become a part of who we are. You know, Rick Warren in his book, Purpose Driven Life, he says, every Christian needs two things. 
They need one of ministry, and that is what they do to serve other believers. And that's what you do here in this church, in this community. But every one of us must have a mission. And that is what we do to see people come to Jesus Christ. And so tonight, what is your ministry? What is your mission? See, there are four things that I believe we need to see tonight. The first thing is, God has a plan. In Acts 20.24, the Apostle Paul says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He's saying, I want to finish the race, but I want to also complete the task. And that's the challenge I want to place before you tonight. What is the task? What does God want to do through your life? And are you willing as a believer to do your part and seeing souls come to Jesus Christ? Paul says, I want to finish that race. I want to complete the task. You know, if you look back at Acts chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5, he says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let me say to each of you tonight, God has a significant plan for your life. See, Jesus was unveiling God's plan right there, and he knew that the disciples weren't quite ready yet. And he was getting ready to outline, this is what I want you to do, and this is how to do it. So let me ask you, what is your task? What does God expect from you tonight, from me tonight? You know, when I went to India, little did I know what God was going to do in my heart and my wife's heart. We thought probably be pastoring there the rest of our life. We had an incredible church. And I'd grown up there, my dad had pastored, and I'd followed him, and it, it was an incredible situation. So I had any, didn't have any thoughts of doing anything else. But folks, I want to tell you, God upset our world there. We saw the world like we'd never seen it before. We saw humanity and the poverty like we'd never seen. We saw brokenness. We saw hopelessness. And I'll never forget one morning getting up early and walking out on the streets right at daybreak. And everywhere I looked, there were people lying on the sidewalk asleep. Some of them having nothing covering them, maybe a piece of plastic or a sheet at best. And there were ladies there with little children that had crawled up as close as, and they were all asleep there. I mean, I'd never seen anything like that. And I walked around a corner, and there was a, a trash heap, and there were a couple of ladies sorting through the trash, and there were dogs there, and there were crows sitting on top of it, but they were sorting through the trash, trying to find out, some, find out food and all for their family. That was the picture we saw. Those were the things. At night, we would do a crusade, and I literally saw thousands of people stand and accept Jesus Christ when the gospel was shared. Folks, our hearts were never the same. And so I stand tonight to say, we are committed to doing everything in our power to finish the task. But you know what? You and I have that same responsibility. And I want you to see the world like that. A broken, lost world where two billion have never heard the name of Jesus one time. The key to our knowing and living out God's plan tonight comes from recognizing and receiving the guidance and presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. In verse 4, Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. What was that promise? Well, in John 14, 16, it says, 
And I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. And down in verse 26 it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. The promise He was speaking of was His sending His Holy Spirit. Now God has a plan for every man, woman, and young person in this room tonight. Folks, no matter how you feel, how inadequate you feel, God has created you with a purpose and a plan for your life. And it all plays into this part of sharing the story of His Son, Jesus Christ. But you and I will never be successful apart from allowing the Holy Spirit that dwells within our hearts and lives to fill us and empower us. You know, in Ephesians 5.18, Paul commands us, to be filled with the Spirit. It says, be ye being filled. In other words, it's a continual process. Daily, the Holy Spirit desires to equip us, to order our steps, to guide us. Because it's the heart of the Father to see lost souls saved. There needs to be an openness to the Holy Spirit and an urgency in our hearts for souls and an openness to say, God, what, what do you want to do through my life? You know, sometimes we as Baptists, when we start mentioning the Holy Spirit, we get a little fearful. Well, I'm going to tell you, folks, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is, is in you and I to empower and equip us to do the work of Jesus. You know, if you feel inadequate, don't worry about it. It's not you, it's Him. He's the one that will equip you and empower you, give you wisdom, order your steps. It's the Holy Spirit that will help us to do what Jesus has created us to do. So what can I do? What can you do? Believe me, the Holy Spirit will guide you if you will allow Him to do. Not only does He have a plan, but two, God has the power. Look back at verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, the Greek word for power in this case is the Greek word dunamon. And it simply means to enable them. So God is not only saying to us this evening, I had a plan for you, and that plan is that the Holy Spirit will fill your life and be a helper to you, but it goes beyond that. It says that the Holy Spirit will supply the power to do the work through you. In other words, Jesus is saying, I will enable you to do the work if you'll just allow me to work through your life. This passage was not dealing with the power necessary for the apostles to live godly lives, but this passage is dealing with the power to be witnesses. That same power, that same power that raised Jesus is available to each and every one of us tonight. See, Jesus understood what the apostles would be facing. He knew that what they would need, that it would be difficult times. And folks, it's no different today. He knows what you're facing the difficulties in your life, the challenges that we face on a daily basis, He knows that. But God has a plan and a purpose for us and He provides the power for us to walk in that purpose, no matter what the situation is in your life and my life. So God has a plan and God has provided the power. The third thing is God has a place. Look back at verse 8 again. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God has a plan. He has the power. And folks, He has a place. 
You know, it was not till that trip in 1995 that I realized that God wanted more than what we were doing. You know, we, we were doing a lot of good work in our city. We were planning churches across southern Indiana over into Kentucky. And, but you know what? We really didn't have a heart for the nations. Again, we really felt like that was somebody else's task. You know, we supported the cooperative program. We supported our missionaries around the world. And, you know, when, when we would have a mission conference, we would bring them in. You know, we supported the Annie Armstrong Easter offering and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. You know, if you've been Southern Baptist long, you know those are our two major mission offerings. We did all of those things and felt good about it. But we, didn't, we had not seen the world. We were, in essence, saying, you know, those folks in India or those folks in Africa, that's somebody else's job. You know, we're doing okay right here at home. But see, we believe that Acts 1.8 is the model that God has given us for missions. First, it's to our Jerusalem. Second, to our Judea. Then Samaria. And then to the ends of the earth. Now, the first responsibility, you're Jerusalem. You know, I'm thankful. I heard Robbie say tonight, you know, we have much to do here. Let me say, your first responsibility in missions is right here to this community. Right here. And see, sometimes when we get caught up and thinking about India and Africa, and we forget that God has placed you right here in Queensbury and these surrounding communities. Why? Because He has a work for this church in this community. And each of you are a part of that. You know, Dr. Rogers used to say, the light that shines the furthest around the world shines the brightest at home. You know, he was a believer in that. And he said, we must maintain a strong base and we must focus on our Jerusalem. And our pastor now, Dr. Steve Gaines, his heart, God has given him an incredible heart for Memphis in the Mid-South. We began something several years ago called Bellevue Loves Memphis, folks. And I want to tell you, it's radically changed our church, but it's beginning to change our city. Because our pastor led us to see God has placed us here, and He wants us to love this community. And folks, sometimes, if you've watched the news, Memphis is not the easiest place to love. You know, I get tired of every night flipping the news on and seeing two or three more have been shot or killed in our city. But folks, we love Memphis. God's placed us there and we'll not speak anything but positive, but God has placed us there to reach that city and that is our first commitment. You know, look at what Jesus directs us in Luke 24, 47. It says, And that repentance and remission of sin shall be preached in His name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. See, why did Jesus say at Jerusalem? Well, first it was where they were. Very simple. It was home. It was the headquarters of Judaism. It was the capital of their own country. It was the place where the Lord was crucified. From Jerusalem, then in ever-widening circles, from the center it was Judea, then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. That order was followed exactly. It was God's plan and God's pattern for reaching the world. Now folks, I believe that's God's pattern for us today. Not just then, but today. You know, we believe God's given our church in Memphis, Acts 1-8, as our basis for missions. Our mission statement says, at Bellevue, love God, love people, share Jesus, and make disciples. The last two of those, 
of sharing Jesus and making disciples is what encompasses our mission thrust. But, but Jerusalem is where it must begin. Our Jerusalem is Memphis. Your Jerusalem is right here in the Queensbury area. You know, I had someone come to me not long ago and say, why are we spending our money and sending our teams to the other side of the world when our own community is lost and going to hell? Have you ever heard anybody think like that? Yeah, we probably all have at one time or another. You know, we have great needs right here. Friend, I want to say the answer is very simple. The reason we do that is because God's Word directs us to do that. It's first Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. That's God's plan. And so we can't just focus here and forget them. Or we can't go there and forget here. We have a responsibility to all those things. See, our Jerusalem, we believe, is the Mid-South. We've done a lot. You know, in the recent years, we've, we started a dental clinic four years ago, a free dental clinic, mobile clinic, that moves around every week across the Mid-South doing free dentistry. And I think last week we just went over the $2.5 million in free dentistry, but the great thing, we saw over 1,000 people pray to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior in our own community. Amen, that is right. That is a praise the Lord. And we've started new churches in our city. We've opened a ministry center. We have a Hispanic work. A lot of things. Over 50% of our mission dollars goes right in our own Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where God has placed us. And that must be our number one commitment. And we spend like... You do thousands of dollars assisting other agencies. We have problem pregnancy centers, all sorts of great ministries in Memphis and the Mid-South that we are a part of. Our Judea is Tennessee and the rest of the United States. We gave thousands of dollars last year to help in Tennessee Baptists, and we're helping to start new churches, you know, just down the road in Poughkeepsie. Some of you may know Derek Duncan, who was one of the chairman of our missions committee in the past, is now planning a church, Living Waters Church, that we're a part of. And we are working with three churches in the Northwest, two in Seattle and one in Vancouver, British Columbia. You know, that's, that's our Judea. And then we look at our Samaria, Central and South America. We've been involved in starting churches and building churches, strengthening seminaries, doing evangelism all across Central and South America. Just this coming Monday, we will have a team leaving Bellevue and headed for Hinatega, Nicaragua. For the last seven years, we've been involved there. Our youth are going there. But we have planted five churches. And in August, David and I, along with a couple other folks, will be going down there to dedicate our fourth church building in Hinatega, Nicaragua. Folks, we have a responsibility to the Central America and South America and to Canada. We've got to look beyond Memphis, even though that's where God's placed us and that is our main commitment. We must look to the world and then to the ends of the earth. What's involved there? You know, it's the 1040 window, the other side of the world. You know, we are working now in India and Nepal all across Africa, working in Cambodia, Vietnam, the Philippines. Ukraine. Recently, my wife and I just came back from Uganda and Kenya where we're helping to start churches there and work with new ministries. David and a team of his just came back from Benin and the Ivory Coast in Africa. See, much of the countries that I mentioned to you are part of the 1040 window. That's that 1040 latitude, longitude there from Spain all the way to Japan. And inside that window... 
two-thirds of the world's population lives on one-third of the world's land masses. But here's the important thing. 97% of the unreached people in the world live in that window. 97%. But yet we spend less than 5% of our mission dollars there. Now, folks, do we need to be involved in the 1040 window? Does New Hope need to be involved in the 1040 window? Absolutely. You know, what does God want you to do? I don't know. That is something you need to pray about. But 97% of the lost people in the world lie in that window. Every day, 100,000 people die in the 1040 window without Jesus Christ. Every day, 100,000 more going out into a Christless eternity. Now, how does that How does that speak to your heart? See, I believe with all my heart that the model we see here in Acts 1-8 is the model that God has given us for missions for the church today. So we have a plan. We have the power. We have the place. And there's one more thing. God has a promise. What is that promise? As you look back to Matthew 28-20, Jesus said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said there that we have a promise of God's abiding presence. God promises to be with us till the end of time. He's in the midst of this task. You're not doing it alone. When you step out there, you're not going alone. You're going with the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And He will guide you and direct you. We have the promise of God's generous provisions. He's promised in Philippians 4.19 that He will meet all our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So what is the need? Sometimes you say, well, I can't do that. I can't afford to do that. Or I hear people say, well, I don't know enough to do that. Or I've never done that before. Folks, those are excuses the devil gives us. If God is guiding, He will always provide for your needs. It's a matter of you being willing to step out by faith and say, God, here I am, a willing vessel. I want to be on mission. I want you to use my life to touch a lost world. Again, in Acts 20, 24, we hear Paul's heart, and I challenge you tonight that this might be your heart. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's Paul's heart. Folks, I want to tell you tonight, that's my heart. And I trust that is your heart. So he's given us a plan, he's given us the power, he's given us the place, and folks, we have his promises. So let me ask you, will you do your part in finishing the task? Well, what do we do now? You would say, Brother Steve, tell me, what do we do now? Well, let me say, one, commit yourself to being a great commissioned Christian. See that as your challenge and your command, not just the churches. See that you have a part in reaching a lost world, not just your church, but you individually. Be informed. Know the needs. Pray for missionaries. Pray intelligently. Know what's going on in the world. Secondly, pray and ask God what He would have you to do, where He would have you to go. I want to tell you, some of you may say, well, we're too old. You know, one of the finest couples that we have at Bellevue Baptist Church, he's 85 and she's 83. They just came back from India, 
and they're prepared to get ready to go to South America. Retired a long time ago, but I'm telling you, they want to do missions, share the name of Jesus till the day he calls them home. And it's incredible to see that couple go. That challenges my life. You know, they're not going to rust out. They're not going to rust out sitting around because they want to be a part of finishing the task. So say, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And then find, right now, start with what you've got. Don't wait around until I've got more money, I've got more time. Start doing something right now, especially here in your own Jerusalem. There are all kinds of ministries in this community. Start here, and then the opportunity will present itself to go there. But you must start here. That's your first responsibility. And then finally, be willing to take a risk for the Lord. I'm telling you, some of you will be amazed if you step out by faith and say, God, I'm here. I don't know how you can use this vessel. Doesn't look very good to me when I look in the mirror. I don't know what you can do, but I tell you what, I give what I've got to you and I'm asking you to use it. Be willing to take the risk and then see what God does to you. Will you do that? Will you tonight be a part of finishing the task? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity just to share my heart, to share your word with such a wonderful church. Father, I thank you for New Hope Church. I thank you for Robbie and his leadership and what you're doing right here in this community. God, I pray tonight that you would speak to brothers and sisters. There are those here that have used all those excuses. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would just say, I want you, I will use you if you'll just step out. Lord, do a work in this place. Do a work in hearts and lives. And Lord, I pray if there be those here tonight that do not know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, that's the beginning place. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just speak to their hearts. Draw them to Jesus tonight. Holy Spirit, come now. Speak to us. Be our guide. Empower us to do the work that Jesus has called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know about you. Maybe it was just for me. But Steve, if you were signing up for something tonight, I'd sign up. God's speaking to my heart. How about you? Okay, listen. As your pastor, I want to give you a couple challenges here. I've been praying about this for a couple of years. I don't know what God wants to do with it, but I think we need to go to India. Okay, I'm going to put that on the table. I think we need to go to India. I think the Lord brought that up on purpose tonight. So I'm going to put that out there. Okay, it's time for us to take some steps forward. If we're going to be serious about fulfilling Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we need to form an Acts 1-8 team. That's one of our BHAGs. Maybe you're here tonight. You'd say, I'll be the local person. I'll be the Jerusalem. I'll be the Judea person. I'll be the, the, the New York State. We're going to pray for these church planners. We're going to go send people to help them. Why do people have to come from Memphis, Tennessee when we live right next door, right? Poughkeepsie, we could help them. Why do y'all have to come up here? Go to India, right? Y'all go help somebody over there because we're, I don't mean that to be ugly. We need a North American person. Hey, there's a tornado in Kansas. We're loading up a team. I can't do everything, but I refuse to do 
nothing. I'll be the I'll be the North America person. No, no, I'm gonna help y'all here, but something's stirring in my heart. I, I gotta be the international person. Let me tell you one step you can take tonight if you're really serious about being God's servant in the world. Just one step, very easy. It doesn't seem very spiritual, but it is. Go get a passport. Go get your passport. If you're, if you're, you can't be used by God in India tonight if you don't have the passport. So go get it. There's one step. The reason we have New Hope Loves the North Country is because this church. We saw them doing Bellevue Loves Memphis. And right now we're going with the motto, a little dabble, do you? That's where our New Hope Loves the North Country is. We need to get deeper, amen? Because we said one of our BHAGs, one of our, by the way, guys, BHAGs are big, hairy, audacious goals. One of our BHAGs is we want to be the servants of Queensbury. We want people to know we love Queensbury. We love this area. We're here to put on a towel and serve. Is God speaking to your heart about being our leader for New Hope Loves the North Country? At a missions conference, you ought to be challenged. Are you thinking about your place in God's mission? Are you where God puts you, doing what He's called you to do? If not, then let's let Him deal with that tonight. Amen. Are you listening? Is the Spirit of God stirring like I feel that air conditioner blowing on me right now? Is that just a a symbolic way, just the Holy Spirit just stirring across hearts tonight? Can I just speak to you here tonight if you don't know this amazing Savior? You say, this seems strange to me, all this talk, all this telling people and getting on planes and being serious. and Let's just boil it down to this. God wants you to know Him. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. And we're serious about sharing that with everybody we possibly can. And maybe He brought you here tonight because He wanted you to hear that. I love you. Is what Christ is saying. I died on that cross for you. I paid the price, the debt you could not pay. If you will trust in me, I defeated death and hell and the grave. And you can have life. You can begin experiencing what you've always longed for but never been able to find. Would you come to me tonight? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, God says. Father, tonight, thank you for using your servant in my life. And I trust in many other peoples across this room. God, help us not just to get some goosebumps tonight, but help us to truly say, God, what are you saying to me? Whatever it is, God, I will be your servant. If you will lead me, if you will give me what I need to do it. If there's someone here tonight that is not trusting you, Lord, I pray they would call upon you and say, Jesus, save me. Please forgive me. Please come into my life. Take control. I thank you for dying for me. I give my life to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.